zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, outbreakchallenge.com, has become a sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. And you can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code Zombie Run to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, Zombie Run you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is Apocalypse Now. I'm so glad we're not uh, recording from the future because I this can be my original official opinion of this episode because I really super liked it tonight. I don't recall if I had a a different opinion or I would have had a different opinion in, a, in an alternate universe. But tonight I really like got it and was into it. Does that make sense? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It's got some issues, but no, I didn't hate it either. Let's didn't, get into this piece of expletive deleted. <laughs> didn't hate it. <laughs> hi, hi folks. And welcome to dabbing with fate brain. <laughs> Otherwise known as Zompocalypse now, I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Justin. And I'm Curtis. And we are discussing the 10th episode of season three. No, wait. The 10th episode of the second part of the 11th season in the Age of Aquarius, when the moon is in the seventh house of The Walking Dead. Gosh, you guys! You mean you mean rotters? That's the new title of the show, right? Right. They're no longer walkers. We have we have assimilated into a new culture, and they are now rotters. I don't know. The rotting dead is not a terrible title. I mean, it's a little redundant, but yeah, it's, it's a little on the nose. It's what it's all the dead know how to do. It's like their whole job. Yeah, yep. Feed the earth when they're allowed. You had one job, dead person, and you couldn't even do that. So we open in um, a horrifying uh, walker infested house. And Judith and uh, DJ, which are RJ, which we all know as Rick Jr., uh, which is Michonne and Rick's son that Rick doesn't even know about. And Daryl are walking through this house extremely cautiously. And all of a sudden the door opens and a walker comes shambling in 
and the kids look like they're really scared. And so Daryl is like, oh, no, I think we're good now. And the guy like looks up, is like, oh, sure, let's get out of here. Thank you for coming to my haunted house in the apocalypse. And I do not understand, even though it is Halloween, why they would choose a walker infested house for their Halloween thing. I know it, it would be more sensible to have like, you know, cute little ghosties or a werewolf, you know, yeah. um, super fun, cute haunted house instead of, you know, Hey, welcome to everyday house. <laughs> well, or you could even have a scary haunted house. If you had things that weren't like you said, part of the everyday world, when you go to a haunted house and Kansas city has down on the a West million? Bottoms. Yeah, down on the West Bottoms, the old industrial part don't, of Don't of mention their names. They're exploitive and they're run by a total expletive deleted. Um, and you can all Google them anyway. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely look it up. But they, you know, they have these big old warehouses that they turn into haunted houses. And when you go there, you are not walking down a hall and suddenly a tax accountant steps out <laughs> and says, there's a problem with your return. You don't, that's not, that's not, I mean, that's terrifying in real life, but that's not what you get in a haunted house. You get, you get serial killers and mass monsters and, and, and werewolves and vampires and things like that. They're scary creatures, not the thing that like, you know. Okay. One, so one I have to stop right hospital. here and, and, and give a personal anecdote. For many years when I lived in Kansas city, I went to a very nice church called revolution that no longer exists uh but every year we did something cool for halloween and every single year i pitched that we do a mundane haunted house where it was like like you just said you walk into a room and there's a tax accountant in there and he says i don't know what we're going to do about this audit <laughs> and then you walked into the next room and it was a, a woman and she was like standing at a at a uh at a like hostess stand and she said the way is 45 minutes <laughs> because i thought it would be so fun to do to put on and also it would make shit tons of money because it would be so funny but i couldn't convince them to do it they like vision ropes that creeps up to you and says i need your full medical history <laughs> yes exactly exactly <laughs> but you know i would have put like goblins goblins would have been in my post-apocalyptic haunted house if i were uh living in the commonwealth and zombies were literally 200 yards away from me at any given time this is this would, is this is what the show is saying about the Commonwealth. They lack imagination. They the no, I think people are the not creative at all. Well, not only that, but it also I think gives us, you know, because the whole point of this place is we're going to put things back exactly the way they were. Yeah. And so, so and, go on down to the clan district. Right. It is part of town. This place, oh my gosh, the, the, this, this episode has the subtlety <laughs> of a tire iron, <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> there is a long history in fantastic literature and entertainment 
uh, science fiction's got a long record of this horror certainly does too of actually having social commentary horror has been since at least the 1960s if not well before very political mm. it's sometimes very subtle sometimes it's not subtle at all there's a whole series of films called the purge folks they are not subtle political commentary um jordan peele basically broke out into the horror space with a very political movie mm-hmm. um there's it's it's very much in that space to play with this stuff and the message here is yeah we could go back to what we did before but is that really a good idea because <laughs> what we had before was pretty terrible if you stare at it pretty directly well the the elite you know the elite who are running things right now they didn't know what life was like for people before and they intend to keep it that way right right <laughs> but anyway we're uh we're exiting the haunted house where uh where daryl has has the two kids right and it's a big halloween festival and it's super adorable and everybody's having a great time and, you know, Carol is baking because she hasn't yet uh, committed herself fully to evil here yet. Um, so she's like in the bakery and like people are wearing kitty cat costumes and it's super fun. And it's just stuff's happening and everybody seems happy about it. Clearly, this cannot last. No, <laughs> there's people are getting cakes. They're buying record albums and cookies. Yes. Uh, Judith has a full lesbian awakening on the street on Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because a girl in a prince, she is, she is walking around and the girl in a princess dress walks up to her and says, you're one of the new people, right? And she turns around and says, hello, my name is Jude. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's just like, and then they pal around together and the girl buys her an, an album and it's like very cute. Puppy love in the time of the apocalypse. It's it's unfair for for us to to uh, assume that she's turned gay immediately, but uh, <laughs> clearly her friend has an agenda. <laughs> well, we don't know. Like, uh, we are definitely not recording this from the future, so we don't know uh, whether or not spies are embedded in our friend groups uh at this moment but i doubt that they have a little child spy even if it's a little person that would not be a convincing child so she's got that whatever that disease is remember that uh that 24 year old girl who was passing herself off as a nine-year-old and then then (laughs) just went psycho and Mm. for that she's in like minnesota or something that's uh that's jude's new girlfriend right lance is clever he's not that clever (laughs) and i don't think he would you know be embedding with the children he doesn't he does not yet know the extent to which he is about to be just completely owned by these people that he is blithely led into his community so he doesn't know that he needs to worry about the children too yes this is this is very true so ezekiel gave sheba's leash and chain to Jerry's toddler for his tiger costume. I can tell you this right now, whatever they did there isn't going to pay off later. 
Well, what it's supposed to be is is that he's giving away. He thinks he's dying because he's got lumps. And so he thinks he's dying, so he's giving away his things. That wasn't one of those crowbar subtlety moments. Oh, because you missed it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know why he did that. It just sounded stupid. Why? Why? It sounded to me like he got he got taken in by a doe-eyed little little cutie who was sad because he couldn't keep the thing because you know no because life is still all about what he wants. Well, no, he saw the too, writing on the wall. Ezekiel is seeing the writing on the wall, and so he decides to validate this kid's uh, uh, narcissistic nature. No, but he is, no, because when you give things to children like that, you're not validating their narcissistic nature. You know that you're creating something for that child. I give like nothing. that kid is gonna real that kid is gonna remember for the rest of his life where he got the tiger chain. My kids will remember nothing. <laughs> Enjoy your nothingness, children. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Go to work. Go to work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Christmas, then Carol, the Carol. <laughs> yeah, Carol kind of wanders up and uh, they're talking about his doctor's appointment. And again, Ezekiel is not, a, I don't understand how he was an actor because he is not like convincing when he's she's like how did your doctor's appointment go and he's like super duper great and it's like no no obviously not like so obviously not that uh carol decides she is going to stealth her way into the hospital to discover to look at his actual uh medical records because you She's, know it's so hilarious Car- carol is basically the solid snake of of <laughs> the walking dead <laughs> because so i mean think about it think about the some of the covert missions that this expletive deleted has gone on over the years like this is nothing to her breaking into this hospital is a tuesday <laughs> that's even when she does it on lunch break on tuesday i wish i had those skills i could bump into a janitor and then steal their keys and then automatically know which key fits in the door you know she's got 30 years on you curtis you got time she does not have 30 <laughs> years on me that woman is a spring chicken she's dating age i could date carol mm-hmm. i'd probably enjoy they- it too because she's lovely and carol is maybe 52 maybe oh yeah she's totally dated <laughs> yep i've maybe, I've, maybe I've she stopped. and i can have some kids that i can neglect mm-hmm. <laughs> melissa Mc, melissa mcbride the actress who plays carol is four years older than i am so so 56 yeah. mm-hmm. nah, she's out of my league well yes yeah, she's out of your league but <laughs> She's out of all you know, I'm pretty expletive deleted. Oh, no, age wise, age wise, she's fine. She's just she's just better than us. Right. I like musing about dating Melissa McBride. I miss her short hair. Yeah, well, and and I kind of feel like one of the signs that Carol is going to expletive deleted you up is a haircut. And well, yeah, because she's done with her elf. Uh, elf queen of of the kingdom uh cosplay that she was doing for several years <laughs> with her weird leather vest and her bow mm-hmm. and arrow 
<laughs> Which she made work. Yeah. Oh no, it was great. But you know, it was it was Red Bear cosplay, and you know. <laughs> anyway, Man, we're getting there, off topic. If there is a better time for Ren Fair cosplay than a zombie apocalypse, I'd like to know when it is. Come on, we can all be the people we want, and we've seen it a million. Most people want to be uh, psychopath governors of cities, mm. but uh, you know, not me. I want. I'd be a Ren Renfest bard traveling from town to town playing a lute. Playing a lute. You can find a lute and that'll be the apocalypse. All power to you. I'll tell you a story the zombie <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> so Carol breaks in, she gets the medical records, and Yumiko's brother, who does not want to be a doctor, but now is one, comes in. He's like, Carol, what are you he's doing? He's got here? blood all over him, too. It's hilarious. He's got blood splatters on his on his uh, gi, his surgery gi. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I feel so bad for that dude because he was our first uh, indication that things were kind of wrong here because when, when Yumiko found him, he was working in a bakery. Oh, no, before she even found him. She was like, I'm looking for my brother. He's a surgeon. And then when she found him, he was working in a bakery. And she's like, but you're a surgeon. And he's like, expletive deleted. No, I'm not. Shut <laughs> up, bitch. Like, <laughs> I am a baker. <laughs> and, and then he's like kidnapped by the secret police. And the next thing you know, he's a surgeon. Poor Ezekiel is too far down the list for him to... Uh... For him to apparently they take a number, but they aren't allowed to know the number. It's never a good sign if you're number 147 on any list. Right. There's you know, no point. Is that a good number? Oh, I don't know. If you're if you're going into a five thousand person uh you know arena, 147, 147. Okay, fair enough. Um, also could be, you know, um, you're the hundred and forty-seventh person I would kill. When it when it comes time for me to go on my murder spree, that that's potentially a good number. You have a chance to escape. Odds are good they could probably going to be caught before then. People who make those kind of lists generally get caught before then. That's true. That's true. But you know, I mean, look if you're if you're say if you're sitting down at a table with some folks and you're going, okay, we've secured this area. It'll hold about I don't know sixty seventy thousand people. Lots of housing, lots of opportunities to open businesses, uh, but let's uh, let's uh, let's keep the existing medical system exactly the way it is, or make it worse. We can choose that, but let's don't well, make it better. Or I can understand. Okay, I can understand there being because there's a, such a like lack of doctors. I can understand there there needing to be a list. And there needing to be some sort of priority prioritization, <laughs> and they're needing to be they're having to be a list because there's six surgeons in all the Commonwealth. Let's say, yeah. So, expletive deleted. Guarantee that. But then Annie Lennox is going to get her Botox when she wants it. But there shouldn't be medical bills. Well, and the thing is, is that there honestly shouldn't be that big of a doctor shortage. How long ago did the zombie apocalypse happen? Uh, well, you know, well, 13, is... 14 years ago. Yeah. So at this point, there is ample time for a structure like the Commonwealth to have trained more doctors. Right. They had their even if they even if they lost 
every doctor who is capable of teaching other people how to be doctors. There are curriculums, there are books, there are still videos. We've already seen videos still existing in this world and trial and error in the time of the apocalypse. Mistakes can be excused. There is no reason for them to have a doctor shortage at this point. Pretty sure I could get a doctor, I uh, could become a medical doctor just based on YouTube today. But I could st- you could still crack books, do it the old-fashioned way. Right. Considering the way the Commonwealth operates, I don't know, you know, forcing people to do jobs, specific jobs, especially if they had that had experience. I'm not sure that they're intentionally creating a doctor shortage. On the other hand, that sort of wealthy versus everyone else mentality that the Commonwealth has, there's an argument to be made for limiting the number of people who can take care of the poor people because the poor people don't matter. I don't know. I think we might be reading a little, we might be reading a little far for that. That's a little bit of a reach. It's a completely constructed story element is what it is. I mean, this is not, we're, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm applying a lot more malevolence do, and thought to it. Expletive deleted. Lottery for the, for the inconsequentials so that they can go to the masquerade ball next year. And they and they think that that's something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. They don't see how, in, well, I mean, you know, obviously we see how condescending it is because that's what the writers want, you know, and, uh, you know, good on them for the crowbar approach. Well, sometimes they're sometimes not being subtle is okay. I agree. I totally agree. I'm not, I'm not, not complaining. The thing yeah. is, though, and, and the fundamental flaw here is that it would take our heroes arriving for this to be revealed. Except I think that we're going to find that that the and we do we find by the end of the episode that there's already a resistance movement starting. And I think that it just so happens that our people are showing up just in time to be instrumental in that revolution i think that from from what we learn at the end of this episode and if we had if we were from the future we would be finding that this is inevitable what's happened going to happen is inevitable yes where are we in the story um carol goes to the guy oh no she she like overhears uh lance and governor annie lennox talking about uh about the wine that he picked for the gala was bad and so now she's mad at him and and he's like well where am i gonna find new wine on such a short notice and carol's like ah there we go yeah she's calculating her way into the inner circle well i think she's just thinking i am a person with a particular set of skills and i can make this worth my while I don't think she's worried about being on the inner circle. She's just like, I can make this. She goes full Batman and does the detective thing. Sneaks out. She goes to the wine store and looks through the receipts and and finds an address where they shipped some great wine. Then she goes to that address, kills a couple zombies, grabs the wine, Bob's your uncle. Right. A couple of things. First of all, how convenient that it's within, you know, short travel distance. That's always nice. It's amazing how often our heroes stumble across that particular breed of zombie who is completely 100% silent until the story requires them to start making (laughs) growling noises. 
um, because she's down here in this basement with this, you know, all these wine bottles. <clears throat> no noise, just her moving around. Suddenly, zombie! It's like, yeah, they just on. literally, like, one of them jumps out from behind a, a, a wine rack, literally jumps from behind a wine rack, and then two materialize out of the floor like they're video game characters on it. Like, <laughs> they spawned. <laughs> Pretty much. It's, it's like, um, you know, she makes quick work of them, grabs the wine again, <laughs> Bob being your uncle. And she gives it to the guy, and Lance takes it to Annie Lennox, and Annie, Annie Lennox could care fucking less. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it it's a good in, it's a good in for Carol because now she's uh, she's ingratiated herself a little bit to uh, Lance. Uh, neither one of them really understand that this is going to lead to her fucking murdering him by the end of the series i guarantee it uh, it's, in, but... it's interesting because she's she's looking at lance as being the kind of person that she has learned she's really good at manipulating mm-hmm. he's somebody who needs something she's someone who's good at making things happen ta-da it's a it's a convenient a marriage of convenience made in heaven however what she doesn't know is exactly how evil Lance is, if we were from the future. And he has no idea, of course, who Carol is. Right. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that minute when she's like standing, like when he comes in, like, I know it's going to be something like this. Like he's going to be like gathering, like in a room, gathering money, you know, or something like putting money in a duffel bag. And Carol's going to walk in and he's going to be like, Carol, thank goodness. Quick, you got to help me. we got to fill this useless paper, this bag with this useless paper and so that we can escape. And she just like pops him, like shoots him. And he like falls to the ground. And he's like, God, oh, what? Carol, but why? And she's like, dude, didn't you like, when we met, like, didn't you know this? This is what was coming. Like, she hands him a little bouquet of flowers, and she goes, "Look at those for me." <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, okay, okay. So uh, she gets the wine to him, and he's appreciative. But then we cut to her out in the courtyard again, talking to Daryl. Is that what happens? Uh, no. What did she see? Like, she saw somebody giving somebody some money. What was that all about? I was not. Oh, that I was guess... at the party. We're not that we got to talk about Daryl and the, and the, and the, or are we do, how are we doing this? We're going to do, we're going to do the training day thing in just a minute. Okay. Cause we did Judith and her little storyline. And now we're doing Carol and her little storyline, uh, which uh, involves Ezekiel's, which is she goes over to his house and he like, uh, or she, he comes to her house and gives her a box that used to be Henry's and uh, and they cry and they have a minute and, you know, she realizes that he's giving away things that he wants people to have because he thinks he's dying. And so that's basically it for Carol. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship that's going to end in murder with her and Lance. And I'm, I'm here for it. i celebrate i celebrate her badassness she's gonna go rambo again like we saw her do at the cannibal camp 
right which was the still the greatest carol moment yeah meanwhile uh connie and little apple dumpling are are now reporters and they are autumn already like uncovering the vast conspiracy onto which the commonwealth has been built because they are immediately like tuned into like this place is racist as fuck and classist as fuck and we're gonna write a lot of stories about that <laughs> yeah, the only the only black dude at that party was mercener mercer yeah it's it's very clear that they're you know they're wanting to keep things the way they were in more ways than just we're going to bring back health care and schools and money it's the poor are going to stay put the poor the rich are going to stay the rich and it's uh mm-hmm. pretty yeah. fucked up you guys there's this is a very stratified society Curiously, we find out that the governor is apparently unaware of how this could be a bad thing. And yeah, she doesn't get it. She wants to rebuild society as it was. And she doesn't understand why anybody would not want that. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying it's not possible because it's, it is possible. There are people like this who really do live in the world. But you've gone through a zombie apocalypse it's a little hard to be- for me to believe that wanting to keep things where you're still in power, I get. It's the idea that she would think that there wouldn't be people who would be unhappy with that. That just seems, I mean, it seems so, so naive. And this is not a naive character. It's going to be really interesting to find out exactly how much she knows mm-hmm. and how much she's really aware of. How rotten this- things are. Yeah. Like, I'm sure she knows Lance does some real double, you know, double dealing kind of bullshit to get stuff done. But, you know, but he's useful. Therefore. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just seems it just seems odd to me that she would seem to be that naive in this particular area. But we'll see. We'll see. So that's basically Connie and little Apple Dumplings whole thing too. It's like they're just well until they get to the party because then they uh, have a nice they have a little moment there, but we're not ready for the party yet. Right. Um, so let's talk about Daryl and Rosita, the two people that you would not in a million and a half centuries think are gonna become police officers joining the stormtroopers for the conference. That is crazy. That was crazy to me that that's what they decided to do. And it's a really interesting juxtaposition because I will tell you why. Uh, These are the two characters on the show who would canonically, if this were in the normal universe, not be having police fun. Like they would not be police officers. They would both be criminals. Oh, yeah. They both they both told that was their backstory. Both of them from the yeah. world before. Well, again, in, in, when we first met Daryl, we saw that he had a bag of meth from Breaking Bad. I mean, yeah, you know, you know, dude, dude had a problem with authority. Still does. And, Ro- and Rosita, that was that's her backstory too. That she was, you know, bad news and hung out with bad news guys and. You know, they helped, you know, survive her survive to the first, you know, and that's what she would do. She'd find the next bad dude and she'd learn something from him. And like, 
you know, that's how she had been making it through the apocalypse until she met Abraham. It's funny that those are the two characters that they're like, they'll be our, they'll be our entry into the corruption of the police system. Well, but at the same time, there are two people who are very experienced with a pretending to be people they're not because it so so they can get them something. I mean, Carol, of course, is the master at it, but you know it, it, the <clears throat> there's a certain amount of acting that goes with being a successful criminal. We have seen that for all Daryl's initial bluster, Daryl is a kind person. Yes. And he, so, I mean, there's a certain amount of, of pretending to be harder and more, more well, of the, the, if the, Merle was your brother. You probably had to do some acting to fit in. Right. Right. But also that these are two people who are clever enough. And I'm sure this was a conversation that was had. These are not people who don't have these conversations. Right. Is we will be in a good place because we're inside the military force that we're probably going to have to fight. <laughs> oh, boy. I would love to see that that uh, that little conversation. Like, uh, you know, flashback to them all sitting in Carol's living room at Alexandria being like, okay, who is going to go where <laughs> in case we have to tear this mother to the ground? Like who who's gonna position themselves in what place? The conversation goes, Daryl's like, uh, I'm gonna go into the military. They're gonna they're gonna make you you cut your hair. And he goes, no, no, they're not. Fuck they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somehow somehow I'm gonna find a way to be exempt from anything resembling standard military haircut style. Conformity only goes so far in this community. I think it is so funny. That they that uh, you know you know that it was Dar- that it was uh, Norman Reedus. They're like, okay, so this season, uh, Daryl is going to get pulled into the kind of the industrial complex, the like the police force, and it's going to involve a complete head to toe makeover of what Daryl looks like. He's going to get a haircut, and he's gonna and he's gonna you know like his clothes are going to change. And it's going to be oh such a drastic change, and you're going to wonder where his loyalties lie. And Norman Reedus was like, "No, <laughs> I'm like no, but you got to understand, like the haircut and the change of the clothes and stuff. That's going to be important, Norman. No, I'm not cutting my hair. <laughs> it's like Norman <laughs> knows that if the hair if, <laughs> if his hair gets cut, the internet riots. So." <laughs> You'll get his filthy expletive deleted vest out of his cold, dead hands. (laughs) I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. That they could did not do something about his his hair, not because his hair is bad. I've established that it's bad (laughs) and that it would absolutely this would not be how he looked. For years and years, this would not have been how he looked. I fully and thoroughly believe that. Go back to the last episode where it's like six months later and Norman takes, or Daryl takes off that helmet and reveals that it's him. If he had taken off that helmet and his hair had been a crew cut, we would have been like, oh shit, what happened? Right, right. Clean shaven, crew cut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we'd have liked that. We would have, we would have, we would have, I would have in that universe where that happened, that Dustin is 40 pounds lighter and extremely happy. 
<laughs> but well, he's got to go to work and he looks like that anyway. Right. Anyway, so he he and Rosita are go- going to basic training to become shock troopers. And uh, one of the things they have to do is get split up into pairs and then they uh, have to clear a house that's got an indeterminate amount of walkers in it. And there's one with a red X on it. And the one who gets the person who gets the red X walker in the least amount of time out of the two teams that are that are uh, competing, they get a special prize. And the other ones just you just better not. And so uh, Rosita is put on a team with some random day player and and uh, Daryl's put on a team with another random day player and they uh, go in. Oh, and well, 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 first, first Daryl goes up to Mercer, goes, hey, I I work really well with Rosita. And Mercer's like, I didn't ask your opinion. <laughs> this is, this that is not how this works. <laughs> Wait, this isn't a discussion. This is me telling you what you're doing. So uh, Rosita and her guy go in one house and Daryl and his guy go in another house. And Rosita does great. She is she is trading off knives with the guy and and, you know, like helping clear rooms together. And uh, and Daryl just leaves his dude and like is wandering around, like, you know, hitting things with bricks and. Like just not not really understanding the tenor of the assignment. Rosita gets the zombie kill of the week. There aren't that many zombie kills this week, um, but she. Oh God, that was so good! Tears off a zombie's leg and stabs it in the head with its own leg bone. Having having worked as a, a medical courier for several years, um, and and having worn another human being uh, due to a torn medical plastic that really indust- heavy industrial plastic that they wrap body parts in. I went my, the very first leg I had to carry. And it was from a woman who was over six feet tall and well over 300 pounds. This leg was huge. It was big. It was long and it had been cut off. And so you, the cutoff end, you have a foot on one end and the cutoff end, you have bone and bone is sharp. And it tore through that big, thick industrial medical plastic. And I got to wear another human being. It was really gross. Kind of funny in retrospect, but very gross. Mm. But yes. So bone is super sharp. And this is like, I mean, that bone just goes right in through the head. And yes, the heads are made of jello. But <laughs> still, it was very clever. She's like, I am not having it. Yank. <laughs> Good Folks. What, what clever thing should she have said after she did that? She like, is too cool like of a person to have the clever line. We last episode, she would no was episode before where she basically river songed the uh, zombie car- horde outside the house where she walked. No, she that was from like the bit that scene from Firefly where River jumps to the thing and kills all the Reavers. It's like that exact same scene. She does. She, she doesn't need a cool catch line anyway. She, but it, it but it, it would good. be fun to muse about what it would be. No, true. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. Okay, you stab a zombie in the eye with with their own leg. Didn't Whoa. see that coming, did you? Ooh, I like uh, that. That's like, uh, like that. Um, let's <laughs> see. Just um, gave, just gave you a leg up. Ah, I like that one better. <laughs> I'm not good at this. I need. I this need, is hard. You know. This is hard. This is why Schwarzenegger movies were written by geniuses. <laughs> That's not true, right? I 
I, I think I may have said this before on this podcast, but I watched all of Letterkenny. And at first, when I was watching it, I was like, this show is great and I very much enjoy it. But by the time I watched like the last episodes, I was like, I would hate to be in this Friday's room because you are constantly having to think up puns, puns and puns and puns. And I am bad at puns. <laughs> Letterkenny is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's just... The first, the first five minutes of the first episode episode had me in hysterics for like an hour. I could not stop. So um, let's get back to the show that we are doing. I'd rather talk about Letterkenny. We would, but here we are. Here, the show is co- not called the Letterkenny now. It's called <laughs> Zompocalypse now. And until the show is over, we can't. We can't break the gypsy curse and cover something else. So let's just power through. So uh, the punishment for being a bad at teamwork that Daryl has to do is that he has to go with Mercer uh, out with, uh, with little dumbass son. Like what's his name? Trevor or Kyle or something terrible i don't know uh he is um sebastian sebastian that's right sebastian so he has to go on his military training quote unquote which is basically just the dummy like playing with weapons for a little while and then like he has to kill some walkers and mercer's there to save him just in case something goes wrong and now that's daryl's job and rosita because she's a good friend volunteers for the duty too and also because we need her to be a part of the situation and kind of see what's going on and and it goes just as badly as you think sebastian is terrible and he plays with the weapons and he doesn't want to listen to anybody like give him any kind of advice and he wishes there was a bazooka there and he's just the worst and so they let out the walkers and he's killing walkers and he's like showing off and trying to be hot shit and one of them gets too close and can't kill it and just so happens that mom is walking by with her contingent of stormtroopers and daryl kills the walker for him so that he doesn't get bitten on the whole face and uh mom sees it and is disappointed I hate this dude worse than Draco Malfoy. At least Draco Malfoy showed some conflicted feelings by the end. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Sebastian feels when Carol murders him too. Daryl's <laughs> gonna take care. Well, maybe it won't be Daryl. It might be. Uh, it, it it might be Mercer. Uh, Mer- might be Mercer. Nerver. I think I have this feeling that Sebastian is going to do just something real bad. He's going to like, you I think know, he's rape somebody. Yeah. He's going to do a sexual assault or he's going to like kill somebody really cruelly in the comic. Sebastian kills Rick. Oh, so Sebastian, when, when Rick, and of course this is the, the alternate universe where Rick is still with everybody and Daryl doesn't exist when Rick and company tear, you know, basically unseat, the governor and restore order uh, egalitarianism to the Commonwealth. Sebastian is not pleased. He's very angry. And he basically 
out of nowhere kills Rick. Ends up getting put into prison forever. And that's the last he appears. He's he's thrown in jail to rot. So um, I wonder if he's going to kill Daryl instead. He can't kill Daryl. The Daryl and Carol Power Hour has been announced. Well, yeah, it's also been announced that that expletive deleted. It ain't happening. Uh, but that's in the future. We don't know that yet. Oh, right. <laughs> it's true. And it's only in the future been announced that Carol is not going to be in it, which I, again, in the future will believe is is total hogwash and a complete marketing play. Okay, I'm uh, with you. I'm with you. I'll it's be with Carol you. being haunted by the ghost of Daryl. <laughs> and and yes. as Carol wanders the wasteland, the ghost of Daryl is keeping her company. Like the last couple of episodes of Zeta Warrior Prince. Yeah. Every time what? every time there's some flowers, he's like, hey, did you see them flowers? Look at them. <laughs> She's flowers like, over there Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> Actually, they're kind of setting up Aaron to be that character because he's got the artificial arm. He lost the hand like Rick did. He's in a position of leadership. He's kind of one of he's one of the leaders. He's of got the big beard. Yeah. Unbelie- unbelievably expendable, that character. Well, he's important, but he also, if he dies, it's yeah. an emotional punch for the audience, not, but it's not, not, a fan it's not critical to the story. He's not a fan favorite. Nobody's going, ooh, I wonder what. Not once did we go, ooh, I wonder what he's up to this episode. Not once. But every episode, wow. I'm wondering, God, I wish, wish, wish Rick would come back someday. At maybe this point, in, you're hoping for the last third of this season, we'll get to see him again. No, absolutely not. We won't ever see Rick again on this show. He's going to do those three movies, and uh, that's it. Fuck all y'all. I just think that they've, they're writing a check that their ass can't cash. Yeah, well, the Walking Dead franchise trundles on Mm. but the we do get a nice little bit with with mercer looking at daryl and saying you know this is not a perfect place but it's the best place i've been right and i actually want you guys to succeed but you gotta (laughs) get out of your own way yeah and on from mercer's point of view he is 100 percent right he's he's looking at the world that he's living in and the world outside it and he's looking at Daryl and, and all the Alexandrians who have come in. And he's like, don't you understand how good you have it now? He's only wrong because we know what happens when our group of people come into any, any <laughs> other settlement. <laughs> they break they it. Go in, they go in and somebody says, don't you know how good you have it now? And they say, no, we don't. And then they tear <laughs> it to the ground. <laughs> Because all the heroes on all the Walking Dead shows are actually giant locusts in human suits because they just come in and they destroy everything and then they fly away. Mm-hmm. They sure do. Do you remember how we used to compare uh, Fear the Walking Dead to the show Lex? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> still, still, still true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I God, I missed that show. <laughs> uh <laughs> I did a rewatch when it was still on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So bad. And so good at the mm. same time. Just it, the best worst television. It was a show that knew exactly what it was. It knew what its limitations were. And it sat there and went, okay, fine. Let's just do the thing. <laughs> do you know what we're talking about Curtis? No, oh. I've seen Lex before, but you know, it's been a while, been a minute. 
I think I, I remember enjoying it. I think I'll go watch all of it sometime. It's, it's been good, a- bad science fiction. Probably revisit Cleopatra 2525 first. <laughs> you know what I'm watching that's not this show? Uh, the last couple of episodes of Van Helsing just came on Netflix. Oh, really? Mm. And I have, over the course of several years, enjoyed that show as it sporadically has updated. Uh, and I'm very excited to see how uh, Vanessa Helsing uh, defeats lesbian Dracula without actually appearing on her own show because she was on maternity leave for almost the entire filming. Well, I guess that's one way to get paid for a show. Uh, not how to get paid for this show. Huh? <laughs> we get paid. Uh, so we have a Patreon. Oh right, uh, and one of the one of the uh, levels of Patreonic uh, uh, support is that you get to watch the video episodes of this particular podcast and get to see me eat whatever I am eating while we while we record tonight. It was chocolate ice cream with magic shell. Yeah. And if that's not reason enough to give us your hard earned money, watching Dustin eat, and I don't know what else is. I mean, come on, folks. I'd forgotten about that detail, and I smoked a cigarette. So if you're going to comment in the comment section about that, just know I'm working on it. I don't give a expletive deleted about your opinion, and I'm working on it. I know it's bad. You all have lives and choices. It's okay. Anyway, uh, so now we arrive at the night of the gala, the Halloween gala for for the hoi ploy. Yumiko and her brother are there and he is in full on alcoholic rage mode where he's like, I don't want to be here, but if I'm going to be here, I'm going to get super drunk and bitter about it. And uh, she's like, oh, no, I ruined him. And uh, also Connie and little Apple Dumplin are there to cover the cover the uh, the situation as journalists uh, also, Daryl and Rosina are there working security. Also, Yumiko's ex-girlfriend is there and catering. Uh, also, uh, Mercer brings Princess out of nowhere. She's fucking standing in the crowd. Right, and so apparently like, you've got the poor people are all sitting there standing outside the, the you know, velvet... <laughs> the velvet rope going oh they're so look at all the beautiful people i wish i was them when i grew up and it's like oh god see, this is- see that that was the thing later they had those people standing there going yay and then they paid them afterwards oh do it pretty much oh that was, I that was all it. theater all of that well mercer looking pretty snazzy in a suit not gonna lie well yeah it looks like armani he looked pretty it was that was rocking a good look for him there and yeah. he's like oh hey princess how are you doing she's like mm, you're looking good purr uh- <laughs> and he's like no i'm not and she's like oh yes you are yeah and so she like, saw <laughs> she saw where the camera well the camera cropped it as about his waistline but she saw below there she was like that's suits working for you dude because you because that's what she's after that southern package. So um, she, he invites her in, and when they that to her, <laughs> are we are we trying to go somewhere with the southern package joke? Do you need yeah, a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, and it was good. You're just not yes anding me. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. I was, I was. Uh, 
Mercer has a big penis. That's my opinion. Oh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> she, he brings her up and, and the security guard's like, she's not on the list. And he's like, she's with me. And then the guy's like, yeah, but there's also a dress code. And the look Mercer gives him, it's just like, let this woman I am trying to. Expletive deleted. Into this building. Oh, that, <laughs> that, that guy, he doesn't know it. Part of him died, and it's going to take him within 24 hours. He's just going to be like a corpse. I mean, he's he was murdered, and he doesn't even know it. That is the guy. That is that is like the second intern's intern, and they were like, "Just hold the list. Don't let anyone in that's not on the list." And then he like had, "Oh, I but this is the thing I'm supposed to do," and and next the next day at the office, the governor is going to be like Timmy Mercer gets to bring the ladies that he wants to bring into the thing. Something else that I noticed uh, this time that I may or may not have noticed on a previous watching of this episode that may or may not occur, have occurred uh, is that Lance is on the red carpet before Mercer and he, everybody's cheering and waving at him. But when Mercer gets gets there they start chanting mercer 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 and lance is like well i guess that's it for me yeah lance doesn't have any posters allegedly well i think about I me mean, mercer is the war hero he's the guy who protects them he's he's the sheriff he's all the he's the cool aspects of being a hero lance is a bureaucrat right very rarely do you see he gets no love. He doesn't Here's... get love from mommy. He doesn't get love from the crowd. Mercer certainly doesn't like him. Probably. I don't know. Nobody likes him. Lance Lance probably has some deeply, deeply rooted insecurity issues. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 That'll probably come out later in the series. Oh, I'm sure. So um inside the gala. Uh, everybody's having a wonderful time. Connie tries to uh, interview uh, Annie Lennox and Annie Lennox very skillfully evades every single one of her questions and then pawns her off on some woman who won a contest to be there and uh, and leaves her just like like spins like spins her so good. She's like, come here. Look at this. Look at her broke ass. I had to win the lottery to be here. Ah, right. Uh, talk to her. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Things aren't going super great. Like nobody's like everybody's starting to be like, hey, is this place like super racist and uh, classist? Like, did, did, did we did we do an oopsie? And uh, one of the cater waiters uh, has a little mini freak out because he used to be a stormtrooper. In fact, he was the stormtrooper that Princess soundly beat uh, and he has lost everything, but he was a loyal commonwealther uh, and he wants to talk to Annie Lennox, but she don't want to talk to him. Well, he's a little so person. He has a meltdown. She doesn't need to talk to little people. Oh, and the, we forgot for the unveiling of the painting. The shit portrait of her dad. Yeah. Now, yes. in fairness, in fairness to the shit portrait, it is 100% a fine example of that kind of 
generic, here's a portrait of our founder painting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is right out of that whole almost rubber stamp style of. Except, be- I'm sorry, it's so generic. Like, it That's is the point. so slapdash. Like, it's, it's no. very, it's, it's generic. It is, I mean, you see these things on bank walls all the time. This is exactly the kind of portrait that the governor would want because it's, it's all part of that old world. It's that, it's the, this is the way things are supposed to look when everything is normal and fine and I'm in charge. Hell, I mean, she might, she might have found that portrait somewhere there might have been something that was commissioned before the thing well no because that there was a lady there who painted it oh that's right she was like way in the back of the room or something and you know i just am thinking about this they use literally the exact same conceit on fear the walking dead this season too where somebody Uh. paints a portrait and somebody stabs it and and then there's a whole thing about the portrait well that happens on our sister show. I hope they didn't want us to think that was smart because I don't care. <laughs> they were they were hoping that at least on one show we would appreciate it. They were wrong. Well, they, well, they hired a painter that, for the season, and you know, I feel like this. There, we're we're getting we're getting a level here on in this episode particularly where they're doing a great job of showing us that this place is not all that seems without anybody saying anything about it. And that's really, really hard. And I'm really glad that they did it that way this time. Instead of it really was a pretty effective job of, of setting up a lot of stuff that is foreshadowing, but it's, it's not. And you know, if they do, when they do say it, it's so great and so subtle, like the other cater waiter being with Katya being like, uh, Oh, they're having mango. I can, my kids have never tasted mango. And Katya was like, Oh, maybe, maybe they can have some someday. And she's like, my kids. Right. Oh, and then, and even the way Mercer was with Daryl and Rosita was like, look, I want you guys to succeed here. Take my advice. Like you got to, well, got to work you gotta with play me. the game. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I think that, so we bashed the walking dead shows a lot. You may have noticed. And I think justifiably so in most cases, sometimes we can be a little, you we know, are not always fair. There are times I am not. always fair. sometimes we are not always fair but (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no you're right this is this especially when you consider that this is aside from what we've seen before with a very the very confrontational stuff eugene was going through okay all that stuff all eugene in that group that was all very much in a confrontational state with the commonwealth a lot of uncertainty this is this is they've been brought in this is like welcome have a new life with us right so and so the, all the positives here, everything that we've seen that would make it seem like this could be a good place, we're shown the kind of crumbling foundations of it, how it's, yeah. how it's not stable. The governor's son is an expletive deleted. He's a privileged little brat. There's a class structure, but no one, with the exception of Lance, is actively trying to be evil. That we know of. That we know of. Moment. That we know of at this moment. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it's we're not we're not shown that it's like, you know, mustache twirling villains here. It's disturbingly normal villains. 
Yes. Yes. The governor's speech is not when I was a little girl and uh, thinking of my fascist dystopia that I was going to one day have. It's just very much like we're going to build back the world. We're going to rebuild the world the way it was. Unfortunately, the way it was is not wonderful. She's incorporating when she says the way it was, she's bringing back fucking everything, you know, healthcare bills and and class disparity and, you know, because well, all she she was on the right side of all of that. Yeah. But the guard is not happy and he's got a knife and he takes Kitty. Was that her name? Kathy, this is the assistant, Debbie. Max, Max. Oh, the, Max, the real, yeah, you. Max. He takes Stephanie. Max. <laughs> <laughs> he takes takes Max hostage and is like, we, you know, nobody, you don't, none of you care about the little, little guys. And then he like has a little freak out and he whispers in her ear, her ear I'm so sorry. I'm like you or you're like me. I should have, you know, I'm so sorry that I grabbed you and, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And then he runs away. And Daryl goes shooting off after him and uh, catches him in the zombie haunted house. And the guy is like, I made one mistake and I lost everything and I'm not going to be able to help my family anymore. And and Daryl kind of talks him down from possibly committing suicide, then turns around and there's expletive deleted Sebastian standing there like a just a smarmy dick. Oh, every time I see him, him, it looks like he's just about to rape someone. Right. Oh, yeah. He's dude bro in the apocalypse. I mean, he's such a he's such a frat boy. And and hey, I've got friends who are in fraternities. Fraternities can be fine and wonderful experiences. And and I'm not knocking that. But there's a stereotype and he fits it. I will go even farther and say that fraternities are of no help to society whatsoever because they produce assholes like that. I was trying to be nice. I I, I know because you got a good heart. Curtis is hard as black but as I was in, But I was in one for a semester. I was never activated. And it's the reason I never finished college. Ooh. I used to live across the street from two of them when I was in college. I had a very dim view of fraternities. Um, I went to art school. We didn't have a Greek system. God, I want to go to art school so bad. I went to art school. Don't go to I'm art fi- school. I'm 50. You think it's too late? No. YouTube can teach you everything you need to know. Of There's Kansas two reasons City. to go to art school, Curtis. Is it if you find a program that you really, you really want to learn that particular set of skills, and you've got and there's they've got a good instructors, and the other is for the um, environment, for being in that with being with those artists. Yeah, other that's artists why, that's, that's that's the real reason to go that's why i stayed in theater for so long because that environment of creative people is just it feeds your it feeds your soul man i spent way that I, you can't get anywhere else i've got a graphic uh-huh. design degree but i spent more time over in the painting department i digress because we have still more show we do that about. though right so daryl in an in act of political savvy that we would not have expected from him, says, I didn't, I didn't catch him. You catched him. And gives the little guy to Sebastian to take back to his mother, which causes a huge, like, oh, Sebastian's our hero, like uproar back at the gala. And, they know uh, he didn't do that. They know. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows. A period of time later, um, Daryl is is officially a shock trooper, and uh, Judith is going. She's pretty and going to school, and she plays the the album that her friend gave her, 
because <laughs> she didn't have a record player before. The friend bought her a record and she didn't have a record player. She had to wait until they could afford to buy a record player. And the best and, part is, is that it's like one of these little, it's like a toy record player. It's like the right. disc is like leaning, hanging over the edges. And I feel like the way it initially sounds, it's almost like it's a Fisher Price <laughs> record player. It's, 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 it's like a kid's toy, but it works. I mean, and, and the thing is, is that as far as Judith is concerned, it's perfect. Right. And I'd so I'm really happy with that turntable. It'd be fine yeah. with me. Under, under the, the, the thumping beats of the motorhead. <laughs> oh my god eat the rich um, we had the captions on so i got to see the lyrics for that for the first time and and just poetry oh yeah by the way so if you're if you're if you were thinking that this episode was doing a pretty good job with some subtle things this is not one of them by this point we've been subtly given we've been fed clues all episode long and now we get that realization that, oh, no, oh, no, we're in a fascist dictatorship. Oopsie doodles. Well, we're in the worst <laughs> kind of fascist dictatorship. It's the kind that's very pleasant. Right. It's pleasant and reasonable. Come on, and baby. Eat the rich. Kind of the world we're living in now. Yeah. Which makes it even scarier is that. Yeah. OK. Uh, so they they bust into the guy, the little little doofus's apartment uh, who's been arrested and uh, and in a hidden room, Rosita finds all sorts of posters, like protest zines and and, you know, like stuff like that. And it's like, oh, no, oopsies, there's bad stuff might well, be in, about to happen. Indicating that there is a fairly organized resistance. Right. That we are unaware of. Yeah, oh, and no. earlier at the gala, when the kid's being arrested, he's like, there are thousands of us. And uh, and governor says to Lance, are there thousands? And uh, and he's like, no. And she's like, make sure there aren't. So that's a little evil. It's so hard to tell with her that is it is she saying make sure in that are there thousands of people who are unhappy? Find out and find out why. That's one interpretation. The other oh, interpretation is make sure there aren't thousands of people who are unhappy. <laughs> right. So it's I think that this episode was was good and I really liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it tonight. Whether. Yes, it was. It was nice to see this one. This was this was uh, if I were to watch this one a second time, I would probably enjoy it because I did. I, I did enjoy it. It has a certain amount of um, really well-crafted world building, kind of establishing what ordinary life for people who aren't in charge. I want to know is. why they why they fired the writers of this episode because they did a pretty good job. I, I I don't know what you mean, Curtis. Are you implying that we we would have episodes upcoming in the future that might not work as well? Geez, I I hope it's it's all just full of surprises. <sighs> And quite frankly, this is a case where I think it really did benefit from watching it a second time. I agree. And I think that in fairness, in fairness to us, The Walking Dead does not always get it has some bad writing moments there. It always has. See all of season two. But there are times when they're trying to they're trying to do things that aren't necessarily as action packed as some of the other episodes like this. And they do it really well. So fair to, you know, they did a good job. This, this sets up the world of the Commonwealth and our heroes place in it really well. So, 
And another thing that The Walking Dead has has embraced and does really well that I really like that they do is that they have broken it up in the way ER was broken up. Uh, where there's a huge ensemble cast mm-hmm. of characters. And, you know, sometimes we're going to follow the story of this character as our lead story. And these characters are going to fade away to the background, but they're there and they have their own stories. And we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that this show almost universally does that really well, where it gives everybody the time and space that they need to tell the story that they need to tell as opposed to say fear of the walking dead where there are characters we haven't seen in like four or five years who are apparently in the background yes <laughs> wendell turns out to be alive folks i mean we've been we haven't seen him in a season and a half and all of a sudden he's like just there one day <laughs> with a clipboard sitting next to strand being like i keep the tally of things it's like what why do you have a clipboard wendell Anyway, I'm on stats today. I give it. I give this episode a thumb up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wasn't mad. We rewatched it. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, uh, I was a little mad last week. I want to thank our our uh, Patreon, Nicole. Um, thanks again, Nicole. We like you, Nicole. Yep, and, you're a good uh, egg. And our sponsor, uh, OutbreakChallenge.com. Zombie Run, one word, fifteen percent off. Get your thing done. If you're interested in becoming a patron, you can go to Patreon, look up Zompocalypse Now, and find the the different tiers that we offer there. Some of them are as simple as like you know what the, the cheapest one is a dollar a month, guys. We're not we're not doing this to like get rich. That would be cool. It's not going to happen. But we're doing it. We do this because we have a good time and and enjoy each other's company and have fun with it. But if you want to help us with that, that would be great. That'd be cool. We have some decent tiers so we offer some kind of cool stuff check it out all right folks well we hope that you've enjoyed listening to us ramble a lot this episode and we hope that you will join us for our upcoming episodes as well you can find us on facebook you can find us on twitter outbreakchallenge.com patreon check all this stuff out uh help us help you help us yeah so thank you dustin thank you tim thank you curtis thank you tim And again, folks, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Expletive deleted. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.